0: Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Alex Sujun Kimpang, who's an author and consultant devoted to helping companies and individuals harness the power of rest and shorten our work days while staying focused and productive and creative. He is the author of four books, including Shorter, Work Better, Smarter and Less, Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less, and The Distraction Addiction. He speaks so brilliantly about the four-day week and the future of work and how deliberate rest makes us more creative and more productive and sustainable in the work that we do. I have spoken about the four-day week for a long time, I spoke about it in the multi-hyphen method and I do a four-day week myself at the moment and it has made me happier and more productive and more creative and we talk about the benefits in this episode of the four-day week, we talk about how the pandemic has sort of furthered the conversation around our working days, and we talk about how to be happier and healthier at work. Obviously, I'm preaching the four-day week a little bit in this episode, as is Alex, and I would love to hear your thoughts, if you think it works, if you think it doesn't work, what your reservations are, or if you are currently doing it. But this episode is, yes, me and Alex talking about mainly his brilliant book, Shorter, and why we love the four-day week. So here is the episode with Alex, and I hope you enjoy it. So welcome, Alex, to Control-Alt-Delete. I've wanted to talk to you on this podcast for so long, so I'm I'm glad we're finally doing it. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, it's great to be with you, Emma. Thanks for the invitation.
0: I'm a huge fan of both of your books, and I love how they're sort of companion pieces. I feel like they look great together, and you kind of have to read them together, I feel. Um, but today, I kind of wanted to t- touch on shorter in more detail and also a bit on rest. But before we do, I thought for the listeners, because on the back of one of your books, it does describe you as a Silicon Valley consultant. I do feel like that's quite a cool job. And I don't know if many people will necessarily know the ins and the outs of what that job is. So would you be able to paint a picture for us?
1: Sure. So I was actually, I'm a California native. So, um, but for the last 20 or so years, I've been working in Silicon Valley as a technology forecaster and futurist, which basically means working with companies, looking at sort of technology trends and how they're likely to affect business and culture and society. Um, we have a comedian here, uh, Stephen Colbert, who uh, in his sort of satirical uh, sort of new show talked about how he didn't of read the news to you. He felt the news at you. And in a way, kind of what futurists do is sort of feel the future at you. You know, it's not, it's not principally about, about trends and kind of, you know, what next stage in technology we're, we're likely to see, but what this is going to mean for people and for their lives. So that was, you know, for me um, coming out of a background where I'd studied a little kind of science stuff, but mainly a lot of like history of science and sort of anthropology was a really interesting sort of job that spoke to my or uh, spoke to my interests. And then most recently, on the heels of my book Shorter, I'm actually now working for 4-Day Week Global, which is a nonprofit that is devoted to sort of, as the title says, um, bringing the 4-Day Week to the world.
0: It's really interesting because I know in Rest, the foreword is written by Arianna Huffington. And I feel like there's so many people, there's like a crew of people who have been talking about this stuff for so long. And the pandemic happened and I feel like suddenly it's kind of risen to the top of the agenda. But are you finding that interesting that, you know, you've been talking about this for a long time. You've been talking about the four day week for years. How has it changed your job? I mean, is it literally like, okay, let's take this opportunity to kind of go for it?
1: I think the pandemic has actually accelerated sort of adoption of the four day week and made clearer to people that this is something that is sort of worth taking a look at, that it's something that could be good for people and it's actually viable for companies. You know, I think the pandemic revealed an awful lot about sort of the kind of structural flaws in the way in which we work and the way that the economy rewards certain kinds of jobs over others but it also made clear that we can change how we work faster and more dramatically than we ever thought possible. And I think that has opened up a space for thinking about the future of the work, the future of work as being something quite different from the recent past. And so, you know, along with or flexible work or sort of hybrid work, There are a number of companies that have been looking at the four-day week as a way to, you know, make work better for people, you know, solving these deep structural problems with work-life balance, sort of with um, balancing parenthood and sort of careers, preventing founder burnout, doing all kinds of other good things. When my book about the four-day week came out in March, 2020, like literally days (laughs) before Sort of the pandemic started shutting down everything uh, i worried that you know, i had committed history's history's worst piece of publishing timing but in fact um you know the pandemic has turned out to be or sort of, for all of the bad things that's sort of uh, that have come with it um an opportunity for us to rethink how we work and you know to look more seriously at things like the four-day week
0: Yeah, definitely. I can imagine you're busier than ever, maybe because people are kind of knocking on your door about this topic more than before. But it's interesting, isn't it, that technology, I feel, well, most people felt that came along and was meant to shorten our week. It was meant to help us get stuff done and then rest because the, the machines could help us. But from what we've seen from the research, our working days are still longer. And I know Bruce Daisley talks a lot about this, about how emails on our phones have kind of elongated the workday. And during the pandemic, we've been on our phones and screens more than ever. And I feel like there's a psychological work that we need to do with even allowing ourselves that day off or the break, if we're gonna do the four day week.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think that the even companies that are enthusiastic about moving to a four day week actually struggle a little bit when it comes to implementation, right? Feel sort of, I hear a lot of people talking about how the first month or so they feel a little guilty about or uh, you know about taking that extra day off and feeling like they should still be working and it i think speaks to sort of how deeply ingrained this reflex is in sort of many of us you know this assumption that because you know because technology allows us to be always on and always accessible that doesn't mean that we could we can sort of uh, make better choices about sort of when we are you know sort of when we are working and when we are not it means we should default to being always on and always accessible just like our technologies and so I think it is you know it's it's both absolutely the case that the kind of designs and default settings on our technologies have pushed us more towards sort of this world of sort of constant work. Um, You know, at a time when companies are very happy to, to promote that. And it is possible to develop new social norms, new ways of thinking about the relationship between technology and work and time that actually allow us sort of more freedom and sort of allow us to sort of take back some of that productivity improvements and process improvements have made available but which we have just reinvested into working more rather than claiming them for ourselves and sort of using them for leisure, hobbies, family time or whatever else we will.
0: It's true because I work a four-day week at the moment and my team does as well and we use Fridays as like an inspiration day where we just sort of not necessarily not working but we're just sort of more relaxed, reading around the news, getting ideas. Like my job is essentially to come up with ideas and be creative. So it's like, I need that in my week. And I don't want to do that on the weekend. But I find that then this Friday becomes this like day that kind of gets full up with other stuff. <laughs> and I think sometimes it is down to the individual to a certain extent to set those boundaries, I'm guessing.
1: It is. It's also, I sort th- of uh, two points. I think number one, that, you know, it does of it does take time for people to do this, and I think we do have to be mindful about it. It is, however, I think, really important to recognize that you know, this is very much a social problem, right? It's not just about my my own or or of your own ability to control your time, but rather sort of the, you know, the social expectations that sort of that we work to the way in which our colleagues and our bosses think about how we should be spending our time or how you know how any ambitious professional person should be spending their time and i think part of the power of sort of the four day week is that it encourages these kinds of social norms for everybody in an organization, and by you know by sort uh, of by doing this in a kind of collective, coordinated fashion, it dem- you know, I think it offers much more enduring kind of structural solutions to the challenge to challenges in work-life balance and that you know we've we have all faced but have all tried to solve sort of separately. The other thing I think is that a lot of places that move to four day weeks have some sort of name for it, whether it's inspiration days or free Fridays, there's one company that calls them "some days," right? As in, you know, someday I will learn how to, or to speak French, or, or, to learn that new programming language, or something. And that day is the day that you do that. And I think that you, you know, that uh, that it's a, it's a, it's a small but actually subtle thing that helps distinguish that day from sort of the weekend and helps provide you know helps give it a little bit of meaning and sort of nudges people to sort of uh sort of to using it using it in more thoughtful and mindful ways so Mm. good for you guys for sort of for having a name for it
0: yeah i i really love it it's really changed the shape of my week and i actually get so much more done i mean you you prove this in in the book that i i just feel like it's more concentrated and i'm more efficient and it's really helped and someone I've been following, who I really love, is Chelsea Fagan. She's the CEO and founder of The Financial Diet, which is a website for millennials about around money and finances. And she has really advocated the four-day week in her, her office. The revenue's gone up. They're happier. You know, all of the, the morale has been boosted, all of the things that we associate with the four-day week. But the big thing for her is that it's coming from her, and she's the leader. she is in a leadership position, and she loves it and I know in your book you talk about this that it's important that the bosses and the leadership do it, stick to it, and it's a cultural thing. It's not just the employee it's not just on the employee to do it, right,
1: yeah, I think that the it's it's important partly because up until now the four-day week is something that's mainly been implemented in small and mid-sized companies right ones where sort the 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 person in charge often is the founder um who you know not only has the kind of moral authority or the charisma in the kind of Weberian sociological sense of uh, you know to say we're going to make this dramatic change in how we work and everybody gets to follow along but of course, we all look to leaders to know whether you know how we ought to behave. And in particular, in times of uncertainty, whether you know this, this novel thing is something that we should take seriously and sort of to understand how we actually ought to put it into practice. So, you know, it's important, I think, for the success of organizations, for leaders to sort of be on board with a four-day week and to be seen or, you know, putting it into practice themselves. But it's also the case that the four-day week is a win for, you know, a win for owners, a win for or of executives just as much as it is for everybody else. I think we often overlook the fact that founders are more likely to suffer from you know, feelings of isolation, depression, et cetera, than the average worker. And so for them, the four-day week, you know, really can literally be a lifesaver. So it's not just something, you know, so it's not just something that is good for, you know, sort of uh, good for employees. It's good for everybody. And it's really, you know, it's supercharged, I think, if sort of the example starts at the top.
0: Mm. So interesting, because I read recently that it's been over 80 years since the structure of work Has changed. And obviously, someone originally came up with the five day week and the two day weekend, who I think was a relative of Ian McKellen. That might be completely wrong, but I think I read somewhere that um, it was his great, great, great grandfather or something. And it's just so interesting, isn't it, how hard it is to implement change? I mean, in your book, there's loads of examples, and it seems almost quite trendy in some aspects of companies to do it. But why do you think we're so resistant to change? Like, it really is difficult to get through to people sometimes. And people really are quite sniffy, I think, about big change in work.
1: That's, it's true. You know, we've been talking about the four day week for a very long time. You know, in 1956, Richard Nixon, who was a vice presidential candidate, sort of then gave a speech in which he talked about the four-day week as sort of the next big thing coming in sort of American capitalism. So why is it that the four-day week is something that has been on the horizon for the last 80 years? Well, I think part of it is that when push came to shove, um, we often... And by we, I mean sort of governments or uh, government policymakers and sort of unions as well as individuals had a choice between either um, often gaining more leisure time in the form of shorter hours or, or taking higher pay. Right, continuing to work the same number of hours as productivity goes up and getting paid more. And we tended to choose the second rather than the first. That's, you know, sort of when we sort of when we had that as an option. The second thing is that, you know, especially ever since I think the 1970s or so, with globalization, with the increased of use of information technologies from the factory floor to the office to you know, mobile work. Um, Or there is, you know, our default assumptions about work have been that, you know, number one, it kind of automatically and inescapably becomes faster, takes over more of our lives. Um, And this is something that you see that plays out not just in like the structure of employment contracts or the growth of gig work, but also at a kind of cultural and normative level. Right. The, the idea that we as professionals ought to both love our work and do it all the time is something that's actually relatively modern. Right, people, you know, sort of, doc, you know, doctors or lawyers, seventy or you know, hundred years ago, would have thought that was, you know, they would have recognized that in some workaholic colleagues. But generally, this was not the way in which you were assumed to have to live your life. And so, sort of, for a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of reasons, starting with technology, and then being reinforced by economics and social expectations. Yeah, I think sort of the idea of work as something that is all encompassing, that happens 24 hours a day has become like a net that's sort of thrown around, sort of thrown over all of us. And figuring out how to get out of that is consequently a gigantic challenge. When things look as normal, you know, when things look as natural as the five day week or as natural as sort of cultures of professionalism and overwork, it can be really, really difficult to see a way out. So we shouldn't underestimate this sort of the scale of that challenge.
0: It's so true how embedded we are with so many of these cultural norms, because I always used to find it really weird the amount of merchandise that has like, I hate Mondays on it, or like, <laughs> it's Monday again on a, on a mug. And I'm like, Why have we made that normal to hate Mondays so much? Because really, I think we spend so much time at work that we should kind of like Mondays or at least like some element of our work. But it's interesting in the book that a lot of companies do focus on the productivity results. And and I find it interesting because to me, a 4 day week is more about my own morale or happiness or work-life balance or whatever, mental health, whatever we call it. Do you think it is still sold into companies as a productivity thing?
1: This is a terrific question, and partly because many of the companies that have moved to four-day weeks are ones in which measuring productivity is actually really difficult, right? If you're in creative services or professional services, you don't have the sorts of metrics that you do if you're a call center or you're a factory. And so I think that the, but productivity remains Remains the w- w- remains embedded and in and central to the language that we use for thinking about, or of businesses and for ma- and in particular for making big decisions. And so, for companies, you know, there are very very few companies that feel themselves to be in a position where they could move to a four day week and take a big hit to revenues. Um, and so, part of the you know so there is a strategic. There's a strategic logic to the order to to, to framing the argument that the four-day week is something that can come at relatively low cost, but does not you know does not have to have an impact on productivity or output or customer satisfaction sort of etc. Um, it's also the reality that it, that those things do not have to be or uh, do not have to be impacted, and that indeed you can see improvements in those. Areas when or if you shorten work weeks. It's not it's not particularly easy, but it certainly is possible. But in order to get companies through the of, you know, through the door and willing to try it, um, it's often essential that they see this not as sort of a sacrifice that the company is making on behalf of the well-being of their workers, or it's something, you know, or essentially that it's a concession that of they have to make. That is going to hit their bottom lines, but rather that it's a win-win for everybody. Right for sort of for capital, for labor, and for sort of and for companies. Would a better world be one in which we could make the argument more on sort of grounds of allowing a flourishing of creativity, or sort of that you know that that giving people more time is sort of philosophically a good thing? Yes, that would be a better world. Um, the world in which we live in, on the other hand, is one in which sort of the productivity question is sort of comes up almost instantly. And so, you know, I think maybe, maybe eventually once the four day week is universal, um, that will, you know, that may push changes in the way we think about work and sort of, and think about this question. Um, but I think we got to make the change first and then the, and then the culture change will follow.
0: I hear what you're saying there. And also even with things like getting more women in high power positions, it's always sold as like, it makes you the same amount of money or more. It always right. has to come back to like that bottom line. And it's like, if that sells it in, then fine.
1: Diverse diverse workforces are more creative, variety of perspectives, et cetera, et cetera. Yes.
0: Exactly. And if it means a the change, then that's so good. But I wanted to ask as well around um, you know, Silicon Valley and your insight into that world and how this sort of culture of perks seems to be still happening where you know it's cool to work at certain companies because they you know I don't know there's like a giant slide or there's a ping pong table or there's free beers or whatever it might be and I feel like the four-day week kind of falls into that sometimes where it's like Mm. it sells it in and it's you know it's it's a competitive edge to a company is that changing at all with young people are they wanting different perks or different I don't know are we going you know there was a huge study ages ago where it said people don't want pay rises they just want to be happier but do you think that's changing? Is there anything interesting around that?
1: That's a good question. I think that um, we don't really know how the four-day week either appeals differently to different generations or of sort of workers in the workplace, or how it compares to other kinds of sort of perks. What we can say is that there are companies that adopt a four-day week specifically, or sort of in response to, or instead of this you know sort of the cool slide and hip workplace or higher salaries right startups who are sort of who move to uh, who adopt a four-day week are you know competing with the companies that have all of that stuff and you know that is and those are those are things that big well-funded companies can offer but smaller companies sort of take the strategy that we can't offer that kind of stuff, but a four-day week will attract some of the people who otherwise would never look at us. And the evidence is that it actually is a successful strategy for those folks. Now, the bigger question, I think, is what happens to perks that turn out to be largely place-based in, a ta- in an era when the place of work, when the office is declining as an attractor? and i think we have yet to figure all that out in silicon valley right now i think there is there are some companies that are you know trying to bring people back into the office there are others who are very definitely pursuing a strategy of you know sort of take your silicon valley salary and move to nevada or idaho or whatever low cost place you want and you can work from there for sort of you know sort of forever um I don't think we know yet which one is going to uh, is going to sort uh, of prove to be the most successful either from a recruitment or retention standpoint or from a company performance standpoint. Um, but I think that the that you know I would say that the four day week is less like you know the slide or bouncy house and more like you know hybrid work. Um Not so much sort of a cool perk, but rather a rethinking of the way in which work happens and where and sort of where and when it has to happen
0: yes and i and I love the bit in the book actually, where you say that sometimes a four day week can attract new clients or it can at least attract lots of other. you know external factors that I didn't even think about because actually if you are a client and you're picking what agency to work with or whatever it is quite it is quite a good look it looks like you've got your stuff together and that you are doing really good work and that you can afford to make your own workday work for you
1: exactly you know I think that it's uh, that uh, for for lots of companies sort of it can be presented as a sign of greater professionalism evidence that we can do in four days what the competition needs five or six to do. You know, and this signals all kinds of other good things that or if you want in a partner or in a provider. I think more broadly, there is also the important point that clients clients are some of the biggest supporters of a four-day week. Um, in talking to 200 companies or so now, I have found one story of one prospective client who decided not to work with a company when they found out that they had uh, that they were working at four day week. Everybody else either doesn't really care so long as the work is done to the same quality, and then for others they see it as a positive. Either it's proof that the of that the company has its act together, or sometimes that it may be learning things about how to work today that uh, that my company can learn from. Because after Mm -hmm. all, we all have the same challenges with, you know, uh, recruitment and retention and burnout and work-life balance. And it's always, you know, it's cool to hear about like places in Scandinavia that are doing it. That often doesn't feel like it has a lot to do with my life. But if a company that I work with has put this into practice, you know, maybe they are someone who I can actually sort of uh, uh, learn from and sort of emulate. And I can't get that if I don't Work with them.
0: Yes, and and so my last question is because I feel like, like I said, that your book rest I loved as well. And sometimes, you know, if you're working a four day week, maybe you will use that day as a day of rest. Why not have a three day weekend and actually lean into that? In that book, you you said rest is active, and I and I and I use that phrase quite a lot now. Now that I've read the book, would you be able to explain a little bit about that about how you kind of have to put some effort into rest, which feels Kind of slightly, um, what's the word? Like an oxymoron.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think there were there are a couple uh, a couple lessons from that. You know, first of all, that we often think of rest as entirely passive, right? Sitting on the couch with a bag of salty snacks in one hand and like a remote in the other—that's rest. Um, but in fact, you know, and. There is nothing wrong with that. There are, there's, there, are certainly, there are certainly times when that's exactly the appropriate thing to do um, with your free time. But you know, it also turns out that if you think of rest as time spent recharging the psychological and, and physical or of batteries that we spend down working, that the most effective forms of rest are often active rather than passive. So, you know, stuff like hobbies, exercise, or, you know, working out, doing yoga, going for a long walk, these are things that turn out to be, of to offer or a bigger, both, you know, a bigger recharge, um, but also often for creative people turn into kind of uh, or periods in which they are able to sort of let their minds wander, to kind of let their creative subconscious Sort of work on problems that uh, that have eluded conscious solution and sometimes, especially during you know walks or working in the garden or such, come up with you know new approaches or have these aha moments or solutions that they hadn't been able to get while you know, Working at their desks. I think the other thing about REST being active these days is that, you know, in a world that offers so many different ways to spend our time and so many different entities competing for our time and attention, you know, every time you log into Twitter, you're basically or of going into combat against 100 Stanford behavioral science PhDs who have looked at every single pixel of that screen and second of that interaction to try and figure out how to keep you there a little longer. But in that kind of world, it becomes more important than ever to you know, take rest seriously and to consciously explicitly make space for it in your schedule and in your day and in your life. And so... You know if i think if we take you know, many of us take the attitude that you know we'll rest when we're done with everything you know with everything else but we're never done with everything else now you know there is always more to do and so rest has to be an active choice rather than the you know rather than the thing that comes after all of the other choices that we make mm-hmm. so in both of those senses in the sense of sort of the most restorative forms of rest being active rather than passive And in the sense of our having to actively seek out and make time for rest, I think that sort of treating rest as activity and as active rather than as passive or dormant is really important for all of us.
0: so true, because even by making it active, you're making it a priority, which means you're putting importance on it and... I've definitely got so much from that and from your book. So thank you for writing it. And I could talk to you for hours. There's so many other things we could have spoken about, about, you know, distraction and in a digital world, but um, maybe we'll do that another time. But thank you so much for talking to me today. It's really fascinating. And like I said, both your books just look so good together. So I will leave the links below for everyone to check them out further. But yeah, thanks again.
1: Well, thank you very much, Emma. And, you know, sort of um, kudos to the book designers for making them look good together. So that's entirely (laughs) their doing rather than mine, but a pleasure to be with you.